0: Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm... Wait, am I the straight-laced psychotherapist? I thought I was going to be the unconventional hypnotherapist and you were going to be the super-serious trauma specialist.
1: No, you were going to be the relationship expert. Like, love expert.
0: And you're going to be the specialist who guides people with down-to-earth techniques for transmuting trauma? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Okay, good. I'll be the love expert. I mean, I am the love expert. I think we have this all sorted out. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective,
1: and I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light. And this is Holding Ground. Today and every Monday, we've got a little bit of everything for you. Shall we? Yeah, let's do this.
0: Hey, friends. Good morning. This is, welcome to Holding Ground. This is Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy in Seattle, Washington. And as always, I am here with my co-host, Michelle Mooney. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. Good morning to our listeners. Michelle is our resident trauma therapist at Anchor Light, and we're here live on 1150 AM Talk Radio every Monday morning at 9 AM. And you can also catch us anywhere where there's podcasts, iTunes, mm-hmm. Spotify, whatever you like to listen to. So today we're continuing our series on toxic relationships. And This is the second part of our series. If you missed part one, you can go to anchorlighttherapy.com and and listen to that. But today we're going to be talking about toxic family stress in adulthood.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, we often talk about, and we did on our last show, um, we talk about um, trauma and toxic family relationships in childhood, but, you know, there's a lot of dysfunction around family interactions when we're adults, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So dysfunction and toxic family relationships as an adult um, can often just be, it can be as traumatizing as what happens as children. So um, a lot of adult listeners today might be nodding their heads right now. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So this is really important to touch on because often the patterns of what we experienced in childhood that may not be the most healthy behaviors follow us into our adult lives. And so sometimes it's hard to to have boundaries with family members. However, it's really important because if you continue to connect with these family members in adulthood in an unhealthy way, and in, even in some cases at all, um, it's not going to be what is best for you, and it's not going to support you in creating the life that you really want.
1: Right. Yeah. And as a reminder, not all families are perfect, right? But we wanted to take this episode to examine toxicity that can present for us as we interact with our families in adulthood. So, Laura, yes, let's jump into these types of toxic family relationships. And, real quick, um, I found a really good quote in Health uh, Line magazine. If you end up feeling bad about yourself after most encounters with a family member, there's probably a good reason for that and one worth looking into. So that's what we're doing today.
0: Yes. And so a lot of times we don't realize that things are toxic because they're normalized behaviors. Mm. This is how I've always interacted. Mm -hmm. This is the culture of my family or the belief system of my family. And I don't know that there's possibly another way to be, even if it's making me uncomfortable. So – The first thing that that can cause that is there is a huge emphasis on blood is blood, that families stick together at all cost, um, that we should do things just for the sake of our family, even Mm -hmm. if it's something that's not in line with our own values. Right,
1: right. Inauthentic experiences, right? So when we feel that, um, you know, in our hearts, right, in our minds, you know, that this is not good for us, but we still do it and show up to family events where we're like, oh, God, you know.
0: Yeah, Yeah, or, you know, covering for people's behaviors that you don't agree with or maybe giving people money when you don't really want to Mm. or there's just – You know, because we we take care of our family. But sometimes that and sometimes we do want to do that. And it comes from a genuine place. But there's other times that you're doing it solely because you have this connection of family when it might not be aligned with what you believe in or what you want to do as an adult.
1: It can actually harm us um, and create a sense of unworthiness, um, a lot of conflict, and this belief creates a lot of unnecessary long-term angst, guilt, and disappointment for a lot of people. So blood is blood is not always good. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So yeah, it's an unrealistic uh, expectations, right, that we should feel closely bonded to every member of our family just because we share DNA. So. But number two is when values collide. And I think we're seeing so much of this right now um, with a pandemic, right? Opinions of, you know, people, you know, I'm going to wear a mask versus no, I don't think that's appropriate, right? Um, opening a restaurant, some families are like, okay, let's go to, you know, whoever's graduation or whatever. And, you know, you don't feel safe going and that can create a lot of conflict. So, um, and we're learning a lot about how our family members might value health, and most importantly, each other. So, there's so, the, and that doesn't have to be that ha-
0: doesn't have to be deal breaker conflict. Mm-hmm. That could right. just be something that you discover that you don't aren't aligned in certain things. But for some people, it can. You know, if they feel that their their children are are in danger, or they're in da- their health is in danger, or mm-hmm. um, that there are just certain values that they don't align with, that that can be it can be difficult sometimes to continue
1: to connect with people that you have very, very different opinions from Mm -hmm. them. Right, right. There's a lot of value clashes right now over the social change, right? So there's the Black Lives Matter movement, and, you know, there can be some family members who might say things like, oh, well, all lives matter. Um, So values around politics, it's election year, um, but also values around, like, how our kids should be raised. I mean, your parent or uncle might think you're doing a bad job just because, you know, this isn't what I did. Um, Decisions of how to take care of aging sick parents, um, you know, do we want to cremate versus burial? And a big one is, you know, who might get um, assets or, um, you know, should we sell or keep the house when mom dies and that sort of thing. So um, a lot of things can cause clash with, you know, what our value system might be. Yes,
0: and you do especially see that when people's uh, parents pass away, that that with siblings that can come mm-hmm. up very strong when people are fighting over what should be done and what we think is the right thing to yep. do. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So some of these things, like I said, don't have to be toxic with these can be some of them can just be difference of opinion but you notice that it's toxic like you said if you feel bad in the interactions mm-hmm. if it's just you feel so opposed to what how this other person is doing things that it mm-hmm. it if it causes you stress it causes you to, to feel, feel like, bad about yourself yeah. right like yeah.
1: oh gosh they really put me down and so yeah yeah absolutely
0: so the next one where you notice you might be part of a toxic family dynamic is if there's any verbal, physical, or emotional abuse, and abuse is one of the most straightforward things we can talk about in healthy mm-hmm. family dynamics. But sometimes abuse can be tricky because we're we're not we're not sure if that's what we're actually dealing with. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're used to, um, you know, having certain senses of humor that are might be considered aggressive or hurtful but that's it's Mm -hmm. all you know just a joke that's the culture of my family to be very joking yeah um so some other things that show up as abuse are obviously physical violence um but other things like commenting on your physical appearance uh inappropriate touching or name calling Mm -hmm. gaslighting Mm -hmm. which is telling you that your experience is not valid that what you believe to be true is not true
1: right yeah right absolutely yeah we want to take a
0: break? Sure, let's take a break. And when okay. we come back, we will be talking more about toxic family dynamics.
3: Plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov/sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
0: Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective.
1: And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com.
4: I'm Dr. Anthony Lizerowitz, and this is Climate Connections. When Europeans first arrived in North America... Atlantic puffins were common on islands in the Gulf of Maine, but hunters killed many of the birds for food or for feathers to adorn ladies' hats. By the 1800s, the population in Maine had plummeted. Puffins were almost completely lost. That's Don Lyons of the Audubon Seabird Institute. He says that about 50 years ago, conservationists started bringing puffin chicks from Canada and hand-raising them on the Maine islands. When those birds reached adulthood, they came back to the islands where they were raised and began nesting themselves. Now, the puffin colony in Maine has recovered to more than a 1,000 nesting pairs, but global warming threatens to undo some of that progress. The Gulf of Maine is actually now one of the most rapidly warming water bodies on the planet. That's driving many fish to cooler waters, so the puffins are forced to fly farther or dive deeper to catch enough food. The most intense warm years during the last decade have made it very difficult for puffins to raise chicks because of the additional work involved in finding food for them. So reducing global warming can help Maine's beloved puffins survive. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like
5: this, visit climateconnections.org. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk, 1150.
1: Welcome back to Holding Ground. Today we I'm here with actually um, Laura, the founder of Anchor Light Therapy that Collective. Is me. Good morning. Don't want to leave her out here. Um, and Benny, our producer. How's it going over there? Great. Okay. Doing well, yeah. All right. Great. So in segment one, we discussed the first three toxic family dynamics that we can have in adulthood that we still have to kind of manage and deal with, and then also decide maybe when it's better to set you know some boundaries or maybe take a break or you know disconnect overall but um so we talked about blood is blood at all costs right so that um idea that okay we just should uh, because you know we should show up to things we should continue to call our parents even though you know we had a really disruptive childhood but we're related so i just have to do that um we also talked about value clashes and verbal physical and emotional abuse
0: and I think it's important to emphasize that there is no right or wrong answer. You get to choose how you want to interact with mm-hmm. your family whether it's healthy or not. You know, a lot of times the whole blood is blood mentality. The problem is with that that message is being reinforced because somebody in your family is a- asking you to um not respect your own boundaries and instead yeah. the the just because we're family that 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 should mm-hmm. you should go above and beyond what you're actually willing to do. Yeah. So that's, you know, but at the same time, you can have
1: boundaries with your family. You don't have to cut off all contact. In some cases, it is appropriate. Right. Yeah. Right. So next is number four. You feel somehow controlled or trapped by your family members. So um, a good example of that is, you know, I gave you money in the past. I was there for you in a difficult time. And it can be used as leverage almost like, don't forget all that I've done for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say there's a fallout in the family somewhere. And then, you know, someone's like, well, you know, don't forget all of these favors I did for you. Come back. You you owe us in some sort of way. Um, Um, They might also imply or say outright that aligning with their expectations is a condition of their continued love and support. Um, so I see this a lot and we kind of talked about this in our previous episode, you know, you have to go to college, you have to have this major, you have to do these things, um, that are expectations, and if you don't, then maybe love isn't given, maybe connection isn't given support in some way. Um, you're not invited to things anymore because you somehow, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't meet our expectations. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I've worked with several clients over the years who have had some sort of, of this dynamic in play in their, relationships. I'm thinking of one, someone that I worked with years ago who had a very complicated relationship with her mother. And ultimately, she decided that um, she wanted to interact with her mother, that it didn't feel right to her not to And her mother was constantly reminding her that she did a lot of favors for her, Mm -hmm. Um, but that she had to have boundaries on those conversations. Like, Mm -hmm. I I realize that your expectation is that I would do this for you. However, I don't feel comfortable with that. And that actually shifted the relationship. So she was
1: able to stay in that relationship and still Mm -hmm. maintain her own integrity. Yep. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more um, uh, towards the end of the show about how to set those boundaries and how to know when it's appropriate and then how mm-hmm. to, you know, what kind of ba- what these boundaries might look like. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. But feeling trapped and feeling like you can't do what feels right for you because you're operating in a way that is is lining up with what somebody else's want, what they want, but it goes mm-hmm. against what you want.
1: Yeah. Right. And people can lose their identity in that somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, dad is telling me to go to school and become a doctor but i really want to be a musician right mm. and so I'm, I'm being forced into this career or um you know major in college or you know a sport in high school or something where you know it just doesn't feel authentic to you you don't get to have the experience that really would have created meaning for you and this
0: can be really detrimental to your mental health and that's mm-hmm. why we want to talk about this in the first place Is not to to everybody's you know, doing the best they can with the coping skills that they have. But I do see a lot of clients who come in and they've developed their careers based on what their families wanted for them mm-hmm. and their careers that they were not suited for at all. Like everyone in our family is a doctor. You're going to be a
1: doctor. Mm-hmm. But they hate science, you know. Yeah, they <laughs> hate they hate science. They're, you know, better suited. The, like, they might have a blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't want to be a brain surgeon. I really just want to paint, right? Yeah. Yeah. So number five is that, and this goes a a, a little bit
0: in line with what we just said, but you don't feel love, compassion, or respect. So if you are your true true self, there is some sort of resistance to that. Mm -hmm. In a toxic family dynamic, you might feel contempt or disrespect when when you are not lining up with the values of the family.
1: Mm -hmm. Right, exactly.
0: So toxic family members could – Belittle you, your choices so again like in career maybe I don't want to be a doctor maybe mm-hmm. I want to do a profession that isn't considered as respected or desirable mm-hmm. and that causes problems um, and so ultimately this can chip away at your self-esteem and um, and just leave you feeling bad about yourself mm-hmm. yeah right yeah there's a lot of things that that you know can lead to mental health struggles when you don't feel like you can be your true self within your family
1: mm-hmm. dynamic yeah yeah Some other ones on that, right? A toxic family member might attack your vulnerable points. Um, So uh, a good example of that is like, say, maybe you are slightly overweight and then, you know, you're self-conscious of that and your parent might... Be like, no, you have to go to Weight Watchers. You have to do all these things to meet my expectations. I've actually seen clients like that where their parents force them into some sort of weight loss program. And that creates shame, right? If mom's sending me to Weight Watchers, I must not look good. I must not be okay. And, you know, even if the client feels okay on their own, right, they got some sort of feedback about their vulnerable points, um chipping away at your self-esteem like you just said laura um disregarding your input or opinion so kind of making decisions without consulting you making mm-hmm. big decisions um whether that's for the family in general um uh, you know some other things that um just you know they're not valuing your input and opinion it's just like my way or the highway um You can be seen less than because of your mental health struggles. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you are maybe on the autism spectrum, you might have some sort of, um, you know, overt um, depression, um, maybe some even. Um, more serious things like schizophrenia and that sort of thing. And your parents or other family members, you know, maybe extended family members are like, nope, too hard to deal with, or, you know, you're, you're ill, so we kind of don't want to acknowledge you. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, this one is really good. So when your business becomes everyone else's business, so let's say you tell your aunt something like, "Oh, I'm struggling in my marriage," or you know, maybe I'm not doing super well in school, or maybe I have like a substance use problem, and then suddenly the whole neighborhood knows, right? Yeah. Um, so not valuing your privacy, mm-hmm. what you have. Going yes, on. a culture of gossiping
0: or talking behind your back, or not feeling safe to express yourself yes. yes
1: yeah because that can close you off then right if i tell my mom or you know aunt linda or whoever the secret yeah she's just going to tell the rest of the family and this is something i said in confidence right yeah. so um disingenuous uh, apology so um you know i'm sorry or i'm sorry okay get over it right and when they apologize then they continue that same behavior but you know they they kind of apologize but right words actions very two different things um so and then also critical remarks again so showing a lack of empathy so
0: yes so those are all examples of a toxic family dynamic and if you Mm -hmm. notice that you're experiencing those it might be time to think about putting some boundaries in place or addressing some of those issues right and sometimes like i said it's hard to know um if something is healthy or normal, especially if it's normalized in your family dynamic. Mm-hmm. So, right, yeah.
1: Right. Checking in how with it how is. you
0: feel. Checking in with how you feel about it is mm-hmm. your first indicator of yeah. whether or not this is becoming a problem for you. There's a psychologist. Um, her website, I think, is the holisticpsychologist.com, uh, Dr. Nicole Para, And she talks quite a bit about these types of family dynamics and the idea that, blood is blood and that overrides Mm -hmm. everything and how that actually can be very detrimental to our mental health um, and different
1: tips of what you can do about it. So Mm -hmm. that is a good resource to check out. Yeah. So the next one we have on our list, Laura, is you're the fixer, right? So people only come to you in crisis, right? Like, oh, you know, Laura, this thing is going on. My marriage is failing or, you know, my job, there's some sort of issue or I'm in financial distress. You know, I might need some money for you. I just... I need, you know, consultation that sort of thing. Um, they show up out of the blue, maybe write, you know, something like a phone call, a text, or something in person. Maybe mom's knocking on the door, right? I need this thing right now from you. Um, you know, you're kind of the only one in the family that's seen as is like keeping it together. You're the strong one. Um, maybe you're the therapist, or you know, whatever the situation might be. Um, you know, and that can be really draining for us. And what often happens is, you know, maybe you're struggling, right? So you're the fixer you're the person who always keeps it together but maybe you go through something hard and you show your emotions in some sort of way and that's suddenly like not okay and people are like oh I'm going to separate from you. Right. Because now you're suddenly not the fixer right now. And we don't know what to do with that because you're the one that keeps us together.
0: Right. And and so sometimes people, that's how they connect within their family dynamic is they connect in crisis and everyone mm. takes on a role in the family. And so sometimes in dysfunctional family dynamics, there is that one person and and. I've over the years seen many people who have struggled with this within their family dynamic, the one person that's always in crisis, the one person that always needs to be rescued or bailed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is how they have built connection with each other. And so it feels like I'm if I choose to not want to engage in this all the time where I'm all, always rescuing somebody, mm-hmm. that somehow I'm abandoning my mm-hmm. family. I'm thinking of one client I worked with years ago that had a sibling who was constantly like it was always something and she felt so much guilt for not wanting to help this sibling, but she was trying to have a life. She was trying to work a, a pretty intense job and um, have a relationship. And so she has this sibling who's constantly in crisis, calling her in the middle of the night, needing things. Mm-hmm. And she felt it was hard for her to start to de- develop boundaries because she was fearful that something would happen. And at the same time, it was interesting is that as she developed more boundaries, the crisis the, the sibling learned how to manage their own crisis a little mm-hmm. bit more right. yeah right and that was probably that sibling's way of getting their needs met and and getting attention but you know these were women in their 50s so it's mm-hmm. like at some point this is too much
1: yeah yeah yeah. I was actually um, in an Uber the other day where, um, and <laughs> I actually had this Uber driver. It was like the third time that <laughs> I had him in a week. It was super weird, but we like kind of almost have this you know, friendship kind of going on. But anyway, we he was driving and then suddenly his brother texted him and he's like, oh God, anytime I see family members or my brother texting me, it's never good, right? And so when he was like parked to let me out, he was like looking for a second and he's like, oh yeah, he needs money, right? Mm. Um so that kind of okay here it comes out of the blue and now I have to respond in some sort of way where you know he's just trying to do his job that day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you can still love your family members and your siblings and and still not need to be their their crisis manager. Mm-hmm. And I tell people this all the time and this is true for everyone including us who are therapists is you cannot be your family member's therapist mm-hmm. that you are emotionally invested in their well-being and that it's it's something that um, while you can be there for your family, it's natural that you would talk to your family members about problems and go to them when you're seeking support and comfort. But at the same time, if there is an ongoing issue that is a crisis management type issue, you're not going to be able to function Mm -hmm. as their therapist, whether you're a trained
1: therapist or not. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And it can even be more subtle things. Um, So, you know, you're trying to commute to work or whatever. And I, I had a client a handful of years ago that, um, her cousin was getting married and it was constantly like, oh, I don't know what wedding dress to pick out. You know, what do you like this one? Do you like that one? I don't know what flowers and I need you to do all these things. And of course, you know, we want to kind of be there for our family members when they're, you know, getting ready to get married or maybe having a baby but that again out of the blue stuff where you feel like oh god I have to respond right oh I like this wedding dress or yeah sure we can do this for your bridal party right so it can just be those kind of like out of the blue I need you even though it might not be a crisis yeah and if it's something that you're wanting to do
0: that's great but Mm -hmm. this is we're talking about when it's becoming stressful when Mm -hmm. it's throwing your life out of balance when you feel like um, you can't say, hey, I don't really want to participate in this.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's hard to create boundaries when it's things around like big events like that. But, you yeah, know, we have to do that sometimes. And I think
0: everyone probably has that person in their family somewhere or it could be a friend as well that's just – always having a crisis mm-hmm. right and yep. if you're there it that can turn into enabling behavior too that you're not allowing them the opportunity to resolve their own issue yes so yes. you're actually doing more harm than good
1: right they're relying on you so like somebody who's having a huge like relationship issue right oh we fought again and here's what's going on and oh we had this other fight da, 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 da. and it's constantly like oh my gosh you know it's so draining it's like you know at, at some point you need to figure this out on your own because you know you just can't constantly have to respond to that yeah and you see
0: it financially too that Mm -hmm. somebody who's always being rescued financially doesn't learn how to manage their own finances Mm -hmm. so it can be a loving gesture to have boundaries and say no i don't think we're gonna we're gonna step in this time i have all the faith in the world that you can figure this out Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah and if that again is a functional person right if you know if it's somebody who isn't able to manage their own finances or something like that then it's kind of different but again you know with mental illness sometimes it can still be difficult to respond to those things even if you know the person might not be super capable of doing those things on their own
0: yes if somebody needs legitimate help then that's then that can be appropriate but even then there can be boundaries with Mm -hmm. what you do feel comfortable with and what is considered to be too much yeah yeah
2: so what do we have next here
0: so comparisons so pitting siblings cousins grandkids nieces and nephews against one another so if you comparison is always negative really I can't mm-hmm. think of a a positive time in personal relationships <laughs> where comparing yourself to someone else is a good thing yeah but if you do feel like you how come you don't your sister does it so much better or your cousins yeah. have achieved
1: this and your brother's so good at football yeah. and you want to be in drama club you know that yeah. sort of thing why can't you be more like you know whoever x y and z right yes or you know Why can't you find a good partner like so-and-so did, right? They're so happy and they have children and that sort of thing. Why can't you do that? You need to do that kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: Yes, comparison. Because we always feel bad with comparison. Mm -hmm. If we're comparing our relationship to somebody else's relationship, our achievement to somebody else's achievement, there's always going to be somebody better and always going to be somebody worse. And Mm -hmm. that's just an opportunity to feel negative about yourself or about another person.
1: Yeah. Feeling unworthy, feeling like, oh, my parents can't love me if this is an issue. Or let's say you go to Thanksgiving and there's the shining star in the family and you're sitting next to them. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm just kind of in the shadows over here or something like that. So it can be very harmful to your mental health to
0: be compared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that you can do about that is just ask for that behavior to stop. And again, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be, a well, I'm out of here. You've compared me to my sister and I'm never (laughs) coming to Thanksgiving (laughs) again. Right. But having boundaries thinking about what is and isn't okay with you
1: and and really focusing on that right the next one i think is pretty huge um so refusing to see you as you um and where a lot of this that i can see um in you know my therapeutic practice um maybe in relationships and you know with friends and seeing their families is gender identity or Mm -hmm. sexual identity so if your parents don't agree with that sort of thing like you were born a female you know, obviously you're actually a male, right? You were born, you know, being a male, like Mm -hmm. you, that's just who you are, regardless of, you know, what maybe biological parts you have, but your parents can't maybe see that, honor that, right? Um, Same thing again with sexual identity, you know, A lot of that can be around like homosexual relationships or, you know, bisexual relationships, pan relationships, all of that. If parents or aunts, uncles, grandparents say, you know, shame you in some way for who you actually are, um, that can really have an effect on you. Right. I'm not accepted by the family. I'm constantly receiving sort of feedback that this isn't okay in some way. Um, And you're not supported. Right. You're again, your identity is questioned over and over. And that's just so hard.
0: Yes, and creates a sense of having to hide or that you can't really be yourself though. Mm-hmm. there's something wrong with who mm-hmm. you
1: are. Mm-hmm. Um, One that I also see a lot is, you know, a lot of people don't want to have children or they don't want to be in a partnership and they have that kind of pressure from family members that, oh, well, you need to get married. Like, hurry up. You need to find some good man or woman who can take mm-hmm. care of you financially. And it's like no, I want to do my own career, and no, I don't want to have children because my career is my child, right, that sort of thing. And then, again, you can be shamed by family members for that sort of thing. So that's a huge one, right? You're not following these traditional ideals of what your past should be. Right.
0: And, again, uh, nobody should choose to have children because somebody else wants them to have them. It's too big big and too important of a job. So that's a decision that you want to make on your own. And some of these are decisions that we don't even make, like sexual identity and gender identity, that that's just – fundamental to who Mm -hmm. you are Mm -hmm. yeah
1: right um and also you know having like a non-traditional career lifestyle in some way so um i have a client who cannot wait to buy a vw van and you know travel around the country and you know that's something that's kind of like well you know you just need to get a job or something like that right and you know, so things like that that aren't seen. and Yeah, and parents might
0: – I actually had a client who also wanted to have that same van life type of experience. Yeah, I and mean, it's,
1: it sounds exciting. Yeah, and
0: the parents <laughs> weren't thrilled about it. They mm-hmm. they were wanting them to just get on with getting started with adult life and, mm-hmm. and felt frustrated by that. Right. So I personally feel like that sounds – like a really hard experience but for those who want to do it they should yeah. have that open road in their v van experience yeah, your kid
1: wants to have adventure your kid wants to travel and you know let them have that right yeah. and you well, know the, if, if i wasn't working for you so i would do it. <laughs> would you travel around in a van uh, actually no
0: not me neither probably but. a yacht maybe no <laughs> no um yeah, if, you, if you're an adult. In, and so these are all examples, too, in adult relationships and adult family dynamics. Sometimes mm-hmm. when you are not an adult, it's appropriate for your parents to tell you you're not going to be doing this because mm-hmm. you're going to mm-hmm. go to high school and you're not going to be traveling in a van. But mm-hmm. when you are self Self-sufficient, uh, financially independent adult, these are the choices that you can mm-hmm. make if these are the things that you would like to be doing. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, so I actually had a client several years ago that was sexually abused um, by a partner and um, her... Their family didn't really know. They knew something went on with that partner, um, but their family um, did not agree with the Me Too movement, and they move- mocked that a lot. And you know, um, this particular individual, you know, just felt so unsupported, so unloved because she had that experience of being sexually assaulted. You know, and yeah, Me Too for her, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, her family was mocking that. And you know, did that- she share that experience with her family? She – not – by the time that um, I I was done working with her, she didn't. She indicated, you know, like something happened to her um, with a partner that she felt very violated. So, in my opinion, I would probably put two and two together. Um, But just even if that didn't happen to her, mocking something like that, if you – if you feel very strongly, let's say about the Me Too movement, right, and you're around family members that you know might be mocking that, might be joking it about it, you know, oh, this is you know blown way out of proportion, that sort of thing, and it doesn't identify with your value and what your support, uh, what you support, right, that can be very hard as well. So, what would you do with that in that situation? What would, you, what was your recommendation for her? You know, I really just worked around like she actually developed a substance use issue Mm -hmm. around that. Um, So we were working primarily on her addiction. Um, I was working with her around advocating for herself, but she didn't feel safe because she was in this family dynamic where that was the opinion. And, you know, this is where these things can result from. Right. Like I can't speak up. I can't advocate for myself. I can't share with my family what happened to me. And that's so sad. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. But true that some places is not it's not a safe place to share. And that might even be within Mm -hmm. your family. And it's good to know and have those boundaries that hopefully there are other people in your life, your therapist or friends that you can mm-hmm. share with. And then having boundaries, you know, people have different opinions. And maybe that's something that you just ask that we don't talk about that because we mm-hmm. have varied right. opinions on that. Mm-hmm. So it's not we don't need to go around telling everyone what they need to do or think or um Um, Mm -hmm. you know that try to push our opinions on other people but at the same time if it's something that you feel really uncomfortable with that you can say I'm not really open to having this
1: conversation yeah yeah Yeah. exactly so Laura I'm kind of curious on this next one for you in Mm -hmm. a lot of the couple therapy that you do um, family members disapproving of your partner yes so that can be
0: huge in families. Um, and I recently worked with someone in individual therapy, but that his family was disapproving of his wife
2: mm-hmm.
0: of 20 years. Wow. That's yes. a long
1: time to kind of have that feedback right from yes. your family that we don't approve of this partner. We wow. don't
0: approve of them. And the they were very critical of parenting, of the dynamic of the the partners of my client and his, and his wife. Um, and so ultimately for him, what we worked on was how to have boundaries with his family mm-hmm. and what would, what that looked like for him. So I didn't want to say what my opinion was or what I would do in that right. situation. We I don't wanted, do that. No. Nope. I wanted to work with him to find out what was true for him. And what was true for him in that situation is that if his family wanted to exclude his wife from family events, that mm-hmm. he was in the end not okay with participating in those things. So if they were going to ask him to choose between his wife and his parents ultimately that he yep. was choosing his wife and his son mm-hmm. and it was and it was sad because you know he he loves his parents he didn't want to have to let go of that relationship mm-hmm. but at the same time they were putting him in an impossible yeah. situation where he wasn't going to exclude his wife from his family so
1: yeah. and that's really hard for her obviously mm-hmm. and then thinking you know in that situation they had a child right so what sense is this child making of it why don't my grandparents approve of my mom right why can't I go to Thanksgiving with mom and dad so yeah, yeah I imagine that was very hard
0: you know and and not to make in this, in this example, the parents, the villains, because also they had a very different cultural background. Mm -hmm. Um, They were from a different country. The wife was American. There was a lot of conflict in values because of culture. Um, So they had a very strong belief system of what they felt was right in that situation as well. So that's a challenging situation to be in. There's definitely two sides to that story. Mm -hmm. At the same time, this person had to choose what was the best for his life. And that's what what he decided because yeah. he didn't agree with the perspective of his family. He didn't believe that his his wife was not a good parent or that um, she
1: was bad in some way, or that
0: their relationship wasn't good, or that he was disrespected in the relationship. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, all comes back to boundaries. It's all about that's always where uh-huh. we're circling cool. back to. Yep. Yeah. So I, let's see what else in couples therapy for people who have partners that haven't. You know, a lot of times I will say this though, just speaking to the other side of things. Sometimes families have very valid reasons why they're disapproving yeah, of somebody's exactly. partner, and because and that they're seeing <laughs> things that maybe the partner can't see. Mm-hmm. So, you, if it comes from a genuine place of of caring, you can again take that feedback and look at it and say, you know, is there something here for me to look at? Is there some sort of dysfunction in my mm-hmm. relationship that I am am not taking mm-hmm. seriously? Or maybe is it just their opinion and it's none of their business? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, and I think that's an important thing to note. Uh, You know, family toxicity can be from both sides. So Mm -hmm. for those parents, it was very, you know, in this, you know, fake example, essentially, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if the parents are really disapproving of the partner because let's say that, you know, husband or whomever comes to Thanksgiving or whatever it is, constantly intoxicated and they get maybe violent and, you know, start arguments or whatever, that's very toxic for the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily, just maybe the client that we're working with it's right it's how it extends to the rest of the family so yeah. yeah
0: all right well should we take another little break here and when we come back we're going to talk about how you can detach and what you can do to move forward when you find that you're experiencing toxic family dynamics mm-hmm. great you are listening to holding ground
5: right now doctors without borders medical teams are operating in some of the most remote and dangerous corners of the world when front yards become front lines when disaster erupts when disease rages when communities collapse under crisis at the crossroads of conflict an epidemic where there are no hospitals that's where we operate we go where conditions are the worst because that's where we're needed most in nearly 70 countries We're saving lives threatened by violence, disease, malnutrition, and catastrophic events. Donors are vital to our mission. Your response is critical to our response in places where few others will go. That's where we operate. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org.
0: Thanks for tuning in to our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective.
1: And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing. Our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com.
5: Miss a show on KKNW? Check out 1150kknw.com for podcasts of many of our programs. That's 1150kknw.com.
0: Welcome back to Holding Ground. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy in Seattle, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Michelle Mooney, and she's our resident trauma therapist at AnchorLight. Today, we're discussing toxic family dynamics we may all be struggling with in adulthood. So, Mm -hmm. Michelle, can you remind our listeners where they can find us on social media?
1: You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. um, So both our show and our practice have um, their own accounts. YouTube, uh, you can find us... there, our right. show, and maybe, I don't think we said this yet, but maybe we're uh, live and uh, we're going to, this is actually a video recording of the show, so yeah, we don't so always do that, but <laughs> here we are. You can see what we what we look like
0: on YouTube. <laughs> um, yes, and I also want to say for anyone who is struggling with any kind of toxic relationship and they feel like they would like a little support and developing healthy boundaries or identifying and moving through some of these issues, that you can go to com and schedule your complimentary 20-minute consultation Mm -hmm. where you can set up a time to talk to either me or Michelle and see how we might be able to help support you. Yeah, we would love to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to continue talking about uh, toxic family dynamics and what the impact of that is. Mm -hmm. So we're not talking about this just to judge our family members and throw them under the bus. There is a real impact that can happen when you're involved in a
1: negative relationship with your family as an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's a lot of mental health symptoms that can come out of this. So let's say you have a lot of anxiety, panic, fear, dread. Um, it can lead to panic disorders, um, the need to maybe self-medicate. So let's say, OK, I'm going to Christmas or, you know, whatever it is, a Hanukkah um, celebration. And, oh, I just have to get drunk before I can even deal with this. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, these things can develop through these toxic relationships Um And this is when we, you know, know it's time for therapy perhaps. And, you know, again, learning how to set these boundaries, um, coping with what are um, maybe our mental health symptoms that are coming out of this. Right.
0: And a lot of these mental health symptoms come out because we feel like we can't say no to what Mm -hmm. we don't want. So back to what we said at the beginning of the show, that blood is blood, that I've just got to tolerate this behavior um, because this is how it's always been, mm-hmm. and this is—I'm told that this is my role in mm-hmm. the family, and this is—you know—I'm yeah. stuck in this. And so, when we feel like we're stuck, then we start to develop symptoms, mm-hmm. like you mentioned—anxiety, fear, dread, mm-hmm. the need to to self-medicate. Yeah. Um, for people who have had particularly traumatic backgrounds, sometimes. In those cases it may be appropriate to disengage altogether because the trauma was so severe that they are they are constantly re-traumatizing themselves mm-hmm. by being in environments where their abusers were there. So whether there yep. was sexual abuse present or physical abuse present that mm-hmm. or emotional, emotional that that be continuing to interact is going to always trigger those mental health symptoms. Yep. And it's very unfortunate when that happens. Um, but sometimes clients ultimately do determine that they are not able to continue to interact Mm -hmm. with people who are abusive Mm -hmm. to them yeah
1: and then it can be hard to, well, you know, I can't be around dad because of X, Y, and Z or, you know, aunt, whoever, and then, but I still want to have a relationship with mom and, you know, mom and dad kind of come as a pair. So how do I navigate that situation? So it can be very hard. Um, and again, you know, when it gets to this point where maybe we're having mood instability, um, PTSD, um, you know, it, it might be time to detach in some sort of way. So and when we have to do that, um, Oprah Magazine, great resource. We mm-hmm. talk about Oprah sometimes on here. Um, she love, says, Oprah.
2: Love her. Hey, <laughs> we would
1: love for you to come on our show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we know we're not, you know, you're not busy or anything. Um, but she says, you know, when we have to do this, it's a figurative death, right? So, when, and it can come along with uh, t- uh, complex grief because the family member is still living, but it's emotionally unsafe to be around them. So, um, we talked last week or Yeah. Last week or the week before uh, uh, when we did the grief episode. Right. Grief can come from anything. So, yeah. Having to grieve somebody who's still alive. But we had to set that boundary and grieving that relationship because there can be good things. Right. But ultimately we have to decide, like, no, this just it's too much. I can't do this um, in some sort of way. So. So that's what makes it really challenging, I think, in mm -hmm. any toxic relationship is if it was
0: purely negative, then it would be easy to to to, de- mm-hmm. to detach from it because it's purely negative but there's even if there's just a sprinkle of a few good things in there sometimes we really want to hold on to that and that yeah. and that is what triggers that grief that right. you know and it it makes it a difficult decision to mm-hmm. be able to move forward yeah
1: Um, so some ways next we have a list of how to start practicing detachment. So, um, not participating in a messy situation. So let's say again, you know, Aunt Sarah always comes to Thanksgiving dinner and she's always drunk, right? Okay, I... I just, I can't participate in this. Like, maybe even if we still go to that event, okay, I just have to sit in a separate room or across the table from her. Um, this one also really applies to that that always in crisis family mm-hmm. member is maybe mm-hmm. you don't participate
0: in all of those mm-hmm. crises. Maybe you don't go into every breakup and every financial disaster with this person. You mm-hmm. might choose not to take that phone call or not be available yes. or just mm-hmm. let them know that I, yeah, I'm i not available mm-hmm. um, for this Mm-hmm. Yeah. my my crisis line is now closed
1: mm-hmm. Uh, The next one is deciding what you share and what you keep quiet. So again, when we feel like things aren't going to be safe to share, if we, you know, feel in some sort of way, oh, this is going to be shared with other family members who aren't safe or might have an opinion um, around this that doesn't quite align with mine. Um, So deciding like, I can only share X, Y, and Z with mom or dad because I have to protect that in some sort of way. Um, And that can even be direct, right? So I don't want to share with my parents because they might not agree.
0: And that can be particularly challenging for people who grew up in family environments where we tell each other everything. Yeah. That. And, and when you're a child, that might be very appropriate. You know, there's some safety issues maybe to set, like, parents will say, like, you need to tell us everything if mm-hmm. there's any reason why you're unsafe. But sometimes that, be, that becomes detrimental when you're an adult because it really impairs your ability to make your own decisions mm-hmm. if you're constantly seeking feedback from everybody In your family. So this may not even come from a malicious place, but it can become a toxic behavior. Mm -hmm. And so you may not need to get your parents' approval on everything when you're 50, that it's okay for you to tap into your own inner wisdom and make your own decisions Mm -hmm. about things in your life.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and kind of related is um, avoiding topics that bring up strong emotions or circular arguments. So let's say we're never going to agree on something. So maybe like taking that conversation off the table, right? We're not going to just, we, I love you. I want to be around you, but we can't just keep going round and round about yes. this one thing.
0: So politics is a great example mm-hmm. of this. People who have opposing political views are not going to be on the same page. You might as well not have the conversation and just nope. say that we we can connect in so many other ways mm-hmm. and this is not one. Or even a past event or how, you know, a lot of times there's lots of variations of what happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And I might have a different, you know, experience than you. Maybe my sibling feels that they had a very traumatic childhood and I feel like we had a good childhood. And maybe I don't Mm -hmm. want to talk about our bad childhood because that's not my perception. And so Mm -hmm. I can say, you know, I value that that's your experience, but this isn't a topic I want to keep going round and round about.
1: Um, So again, kind of related to these keeping the conversation light and casual, ending the conversation or leaving it when you have to um, deciding beforehand what topics you want to avoid. So again, the same kind of thing, right? Politics, we're not going to talk about. um, So brainstorming ways to kind of change the subject, which, you know, kind of puts pressure on you, right? Like, oh, I have to think of all these ways that I can kind of redirect the conversation. But once you get good at that and you can, you know, that can be a way of kind of just, okay, moving on, maybe shutting down the thing that we don't want to talk about.
0: You see, I've, I've heard a lot a good example of this I've heard a lot of clients say over the years is um, in families where the parents are divorced where maybe one parent wants to constantly talk negatively about mm-hmm. the other parent and mm-hmm. and as the child even the adult child you just don't want to engage in that or listen mm-hmm. to it and so just finding ways to move away from that subject or just having a boundary like this is you know again that that is your experience and I can appreciate that but at the same time that's not my experience and I don't really want to have this mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. For the next fifty years, because sometimes that's what it feels like to people—we're
1: stuck in in a relationship. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a huge one where um, you know one sibling or you know maybe one um, parent—they don't think that it was a toxic situation growing up. They don't. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't know there was sexual abuse for their sister or something like that, and she has a really hard time engaging with the family. And maybe the sibling doesn't understand that. So different perspectives of how we grow up can be a huge one that we don't necessarily agree on.
0: Yeah, I think. If you're going to talk to any group of siblings, each one is going to report to you a different childhood because we're different people with different personalities and different experiences, and so that's that's fine. We're all going to have different perceptions, but at the same time, that might be not that's maybe not something that you want to have a ongoing conversation Mm -hmm.
1: about. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, again, letting them know when you don't want to discuss certain topics, and then deciding when you respond. So yeah.
0: And then when people won't respect your boundaries, that's when you might start making decisions about whether or not it's even appropriate to continue to engage in some of these things or relationships anymore. But a lot of work can be done by just implementing boundaries. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of times when people realize what you're yes and no is they start to respect that sometimes they just don't even know
1: yeah yeah i think that's a good point right when we can set these boundaries and a family members don't respect those right well okay you set this but i'm still going to push this right Mm -hmm. that's when maybe things are you know we might have to detach a little bit more yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so next we're going to talk about how to find help and just move on from this in a lot of ways so um laura what's something we can do so there's a little quote here, how much space do I
0: need to love you? And that mm-hmm. just applies to what we said. Do I need a lot of space? Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just a little space, a little boundary we put into place. So yep. there's a lot of things that we can do to learn how to create healthy family dynamics. One is just learning about, uh, there, there are certain patterns that are very common in family systems that can be damaging that we're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. And no one is intentionally trying there's no overt abuse or anything like that. that it's so just becoming educated about what healthier boundaries mm-hmm. might be, especially if you're noticing that, that there is an overt abuse, but at the same time there's something that you're mm-hmm. not comfortable with.
1: Yeah, again, and that getting yeah. in touch with yourself. Okay, how do I feel putting myself in this situation? Uh-huh, I'm really dreading this. So, yeah. you know, thinking about those things and, yeah, having that self-insight and into, you know, what you're willing to put up with.
0: And a big part of therapy is education. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we do with our clients is psychoeducation where we've gone to school to study all the research that we can report back to you of mm-hmm. what it what works in relationships and what doesn't. And there are some small changes that you
1: can make, and therapy can help you identify some of those things. Yeah. So, yeah, schedule your consultation. Yeah. Um, so, fortunately, there's another excellent solution that can kind of counteract the disconnection that we have with our biological families, and that is cultivating our chosen family. So, chosen family are the people you deliberately invite into your life. So, best friends, um, maybe. Um, you know other relationships with other people that you can use as a mentor guidance um, someone that's there to support you um, and are beloved people in your life with whom you share deep trust loyalty mutual commitment um, and they're also people that are probably going to have similar values to you and are able to guide and support your evolution to the person you were meant to be
0: yes chosen family especially if you're biological family just are not your kind of people yeah that i mean a lot of people find can still create family systems in their lives that are very supportive and loving and and serve the purpose of family so that just because you weren't born into a family that had that to offer doesn't mean you can't
1: Mm -hmm. create that in your life Mm -hmm. very intentionally yeah Yeah. um so i think with chosen family um there's a really cool thing that happened last year in new york and um also in other places like Chicago, San Francisco, actually Minnesota, St. Paul, um, they began to allow workers to use paid time off to care for anyone they personally define as family. So Laura, if you're my best friend mm-hmm. and you're kind of my mentor and I look to you as a mother or something like that, if I you know if you got sick, right, I'm allowed to go to you know take some time off to care for you, right? It doesn't have to be a blood relative. That's really cool. That. I wonder what caused them to make that change. Um, I think uh, reality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, I think a lot of places acknowledge now, right, that yep. maybe um, we have family that isn't necessarily blood tied. So I think that's super cool. Um, and that was from Psychology Today. Very cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we're going to keep this conversation going. Next week, we're going to be talking more about toxic romantic relationships. Yes. And so you'll want to come and listen to us next Monday at 9 a.m. on KKNW. Yes. Thanks for listening today. Have a great Monday morning. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, owner of Anchor Light Therapy
1: Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com.